Awesome. You know what, guys? I am just, I am so blessed uh, that you guys came out tonight. Um, you know, as, as you're aware, we have not done anything like at Santa Maria Foursquare uh, for guys, for men getting together uh, for, for quite a long time. And not just because of COVID, but we just kind of not been in that rhythm. We've done a lot of other things. We've done outreaches. We did discipleship classes. We did all kinds of things, but not like just for the men. And as we kind of, as a team, we're kind of going into this fall and just really sensing what God uh, had for us as a, as a church, it really was something that God put on our heart, was to get our guys together. And uh, some of you know that the women of our church have beat us to that. Uh, it was just a few months ago that uh, Pastor Lisa has uh, uh, led in a women's ministry, and so they got together last night. And, you know, what's really encouraging is uh, I think probably between the two groups tonight, we had, I think we had about 60 guys here tonight. Uh, but last night we had uh, 26 women uh, here, and uh, which is awesome, but that was only English. And then we also have a uh, women's ministry in Espanol. And uh, so, you know, so between the groups, man, we got well over 100 people just this month meeting as men and women of the Lord and wanting to grow. And, uh, you know, and listen, there are people in the room tonight that I do not know uh, well yet, okay? Um, but I just want to tell you, we at the Santa Maria Foursquare Church, we are all about Jesus, uh, we are all about Jesus. We're all about like, Jesus, we want to grow to be more like you. And because we want to be more and more like Jesus, we also know that what that means is that he draws us together uh, in, in loving, committed relationship with each other. Um, because as a church, God is called, not just this church, but the church to be on mission together, to be on mission together. It's one of the things that makes a church a church, guys. You know, some people think like, well, you know, I can like follow Jesus, but don't need to be part of a church. It's like, no, 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 you, you're missing something because you're not reading all of what Jesus talked about because we are to be on mission, not just individually, but together. There's something about being together. It's why God just drew uh, men around him in his life and women as well. When you read, it was like men and women they just followed Jesus and they were on mission together. And so I'm not here to tell you that we're like beginning some big men's ministry because um, I'm not exactly sure like what rhythm yet this type of gathering might take place. Um, but what I am here to tell you is that we are committed to begin layering in different things where men can be together. One of those you're going to be hearing about, if you're here tomorrow at church, you're going to hear Pastor Sergio talking about, um, we've organized a deep sea fishing trip uh, next month um, in, uh, in October, and uh, the word kind of has leaked out a little bit, but there's limited spots, and you're going to be finding out about that tomorrow morning. Uh, just to get out there with a bunch of guys, um, I think we've chartered a whole boat. And uh, if there's more guys than want to go, then we're going to find out some other creative ways we can get guys together. If not everybody fits on the boat, that's okay. We'll figure it out. Um, there's, uh, there's other things happening. There's pickleball 
happening. Every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Um, out at uh, Hagerman um, Sports Area in Napomo, 6 o'clock. Pastor Sergio is out there every Wednesday night at 6 playing pickleball. Anybody played pickleball? Richard, we got, okay, Leroy, we got a few guys saying yes. It is a sport that is like taking over. It's kind of like tennis for dummies, right? Uh, you know, like you don't have to be an expert to be able to have fun playing pickleball. It is the official definition. Uh, where, where is, no, don't, don't quote me on that or somebody's going to get mad. Uh, where, where's Pastor Gary? Gary, I know Gary has been talking about starting to get some guys together, like for coffee and for conversation on a regular basis, like to do some Bible study, but also do some just deeper conversation about life, um, connect with Gary about that happening. And we'll, we'll be talking about these things kind of as we go forward. But what I'm not saying is like we're starting some big men's ministry and we're going to, you know, we're going to try to one-up the women, right? Uh, you know, man, they've, they've got it going on. But what we are doing is, like I said, we're starting to layer in these different things of points of connection for men. Oh, and I almost forgot, where's Beto? Beto's right here. He's hiding under that beautiful Dodger hat. Uh, there's a bunch of guys that you got to wake up early, but on Sunday mornings at 6 a.m., they're out there throwing the disc. You know what I'm saying? Disc golf every Sunday morning at 6 a.m. And I talked to Beto and he said, man, we'd love to have more guys, you know, come out and be a part of that. And so uh, if you want to, if you want to do that, if you're early riser, want to get out there, they, they go between Presker Park and Waller Park. So you got to check in with Beto to see where they're meeting up. Um, but like, there's a lot of opportunities actually, if you take that step, if you search it out, and what we're going to be helping to do is just like make those connections, those connection points to be with other men. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. And then when we do things like this, you'll, you'll definitely hear about it as well. But um, tonight, I want to bring a word uh, to you guys that is many years uh, in the making and been in my heart for many years. And I have never shared this once at, uh, in, for, in six and a half years with anybody at the Santa Maria Fourscore Church. And, uh, and when we were praying about getting the guys back together, God drew my heart back to something that he had talked to me about as a man years ago. And I am so excited to bring you this word. And all it is is Psalm 101. Um, you've got the entire chapter in your hands there. Um, I'm sorry we didn't think to grab a bunch of pens, but I, I'm sure a couple of you guys have pens. You got cell phones if you want. I would love for you to take a few notes, however you might be able to do that. Um, and Larry, do we have pens somewhere, man? Do we? We probably, you know, like the usher's closet or something like that. Pencils will work, dude. Like if you can find some and just drop some on uh, on the tables in the next minutes, just so the guys could uh, jot some notes down as things strike them or. Um, it's going to be easy to follow along, and it's not going to be forever. I'm going to I'm going to try to go fast and passionate. Can you can you hang with that? Okay, all right, fast and passionate. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to leave it there. Um, so Psalm 101 was written by David, who wrote most of the Psalms, uh, and uh, many people believe that Psalm 101 was penned by David, written by David, right as he was becoming the king. 
Uh, so you might picture like, you know, when a new president becomes president, you know, Trump did it, Biden did it, all the presidents before him did it, like where they do their inauguration speech, where people are gathered and they're making declarations about this is how I'm going to live, this is how I'm going to lead, right? Live and lead. And and it's like, it's setting things in motion. It's these declarations about this is what life is going to look like under my leadership. And here's what I want to tell you about this psalm. I believe that we can learn from David regarding how he lived and led, and we can learn as men of God about how we can live and lead as well. And so here's what we're going to do. We are going to read this together out loud, okay? So um, I've got this on my iPad. You got there in paper in front of you. But we're just going to start off in verse verse 1 right there, and we're going to read it together. You ready? Clear your throats. All honor to Jesus. Here we go. I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. I will not allow deceivers to be in my house, and liars will not stay in my presence. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus is over these next minutes as we just converse about these eight verses, this one chapter written so long ago by a man who followed hard after you, a man after your own heart. God, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would just begin to illuminate things. Open our eyes, open our hearts, open our spirits to what you would have us receive. That we would be different, that we would not walk out of here the same way we walked in. As men, as fathers, as husbands, as sons, as friends and neighbors, as co-workers, as as people called by you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I want you to notice something just right away, and you were already reading through this. Maybe you even caught a little bit of a pattern in here of what David wrote. But in this short chapter, 12 different times, David uses the statement, I will. Making declarations, these bold declarations about how he was going to live and how he was going to lead. He said, I will, over and over and over again, a dozen times, 
The last one is a little bit different because in verse eight, he says, my daily task will be to. So he, he's phrased it a little bit differently right there, but it's still an I will um, statement. And there's a dozen of them there. You can just like, even as we go through, you can just start to underline those, circle them. I will. And I believe that this is this amazing picture of what it looks like to be a man of God who is stepping up and stepping into the spiritual authority that God has designed him to walk in. Listen, this is not a sexist statement that I'm going to make here. Believe me, and we could talk a long time about this if you have questions, and, and you may. But God has designed men to step up into leadership roles. And listen, we cannot lead others, guess what, until we are leading ourselves. And so these statements are not just about like, well, this is how I'm going to like lead other people. God never is going to promote any of us into positions of leadership over others until we learn to like lead ourselves, right? You don't govern others until you learn to govern yourself. And so a lot of this is like, man, God, I want you to show me through what David was saying here about how I can step up personally and step into the spiritual authority that you have for me. And uh, we're going to get a little bit more into that even as we, even as we wrap up at the end. But David is modeling something for us here because I believe that these statements are not just for him, but like we can own these, own these. When, whenever we say, I will, okay? I want you, in fact, I want you guys to raise your voices and just like say, I will. You ready? One, here we go. Let's do it together. One, two, three. I will. Do it again. I will. I will. Whenever we declare, I will, What we are doing is we're saying, I am going to impose my will on life rather than to have life impose its will on me. I want you to think about that. I will. I am going to impose my will on life around me. I'm not going to let life around me impose its will on me. And I was thinking like a, a, I think an illustration of this, when you think of like your all time favorite, best NBA all-stars of all time, like who, who comes to, who comes to mind? Just give me some names out there. Kobe. Who else? Larry Bird. Go old school on us. All right. Larry. Nice. Who else? Michael Jordan. Anybody? No King James fans here? Come on. You know, so no, you're saying, (laughs) who? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So when you think about like the best of the best of all time basketball players, one of the things that made them great, at least on the court, is that they could impose their will on the other team, right? It's like, you try to stop me. You know, I'm going to impose my will on you. And we would be shocked or surprised if all of a sudden, like, 
you know, our stars that we just mentioned, that all of a sudden the other team was imposing their will on these guys. It's like, no, that's not how it works. It's like when Michael Jordan was on the court, when Kobe was on the court, I mean, we were just amazed because they knew how to say, I will. I will get past the defense. I will get past, quote unquote, the enemy. I will get past whatever is trying to slow me down or stop me. And I'm just going to blow you away by how I do it. Because they had this I will spirit where I am going to impose my will on life. I'm not going to let life impose its will on me. And when we think about life wanting to impose its will on us, we, we know that it happens all the time. Life has a way of saying, no, I'm going to tell you how you need to live. Sin does that to us. Temptation does that, where it wants to impose its will on our lives. And other people, you know, will try to twist our arms, manipulate us, or kind of seduce us into like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to have you do what I want to do. Hell has a plan for each of our lives. And if we do not really take seriously this like I will spirit of like, no, I'm not gonna let hell or any of its pawns impose its will on me. I will impose my will on life and the circumstances around me. But I want you to be clear about this. I'm not talking about imposing your will over another human being, right? Because, um, you know, Scripture tells us we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're talking about, you know, spiritual matters, those powers and principalities that want to come against us. So I'm not talking about imposing your will on your wife. I'm not talking about imposing your will on a woman or a coworker or your next-door neighbor. I'm not t- talking about that. I'm talking about imposing your will, right, Again, against anything that would come between you and what God has for you. And I am not going to allow that to take over and impose its will on me. So it's time to stop being pushed around. Come on. It's time to stop being pushed around. It's time to push back, men. Spiritually and in the authority that God gave you to make decisions of I will. And so what we're going to be looking at, now David 12 times in here said, I will, but they kind of fall into five categories, okay? Five things that said, he said, I will do. And then some of them he kind of echoed and repeated in different ways. So I'm, we're going to be looking at five I will statements and just breaking them down real quick, okay? So number one, I will worship the Lord. I will worship the Lord. Verse number one, and you can read it right there. I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs. Listen, we worship what we are surrendered to, whatever it is. You know, it's like you worship, you know, your car, right? It's like, okay, I've surrendered to my my car. You could worship a woman, right? Surrendered your life to her. You could you could worship money, surrendered yourself like to the, just that pursuit of the dollar. We worship whatever we're surrendered to. And 
what David is declaring right here is that, no, I am surrendered to the Lord. It is to the Lord that I give my praise. And I love, I love this, that uh, this is the first thing that he says. This is the first I will. For right off the bat, this is what my life is going to be about. There's an order of priority here because it's verse number one. The very first thing he stands up, right? And we don't know exactly if this was like his inauguration speech, but a lot of scholars believe that this, that, would, that would have been fitting for, for just where this all falls. And you can just picture him standing up there in front of all of Israel and making this declaration. They're all leaning in. What's he going to say? What, what's his statement? And the very first thing he says is, I will praise the Lord. My knee is not going to bow or surrender to anything else. I'm going to be all about worshiping the Lord. Listen, I believe that men who have yet to become worshipers have not yet discovered this priority in their lives. You know, it's like sometimes you'll see me up here um, as a, you know, as a pastor. And when we're in worship, like through song, we worship a lot of different ways. But one of the ways when we gather, um, you know, on, you know, especially on Sundays, we, we worship through song. And sometimes you'll notice me like, cause I'll do this. I'm like, I'm worshiping the Lord. And then you notice me kind of doing this. I'm just like doing, I'm just like doing a 360. I'm, I'm like looking around. I'm like, you know, waving at people and stuff like that. But you know what I'm doing? I am seeing where that spirit of worship is in the house. I'm like looking around and said, do people catch us? Are they just like, like arms folded and heads down and mouths shut? And, you know, it's like, well, pastor, I don't always know the words of the song. That's all right. You know, the Bible says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. It's kind of like, just fake it till you make it, you know? It's like, but you know, you don't want to hear me sing. Like I have a terrible, no, you just go. You just go, man. It's to the Lord, not to me, right? We may never invite you to be on the worship team because you might mess all the rest of us up. But if you're sitting behind me, I want to hear you going for it, you know? Like this passionate thing. If you know anything about David, he was a passionate worshiper. I mean, one of his wives actually got after him because she thought he was worshiping too boldly. God struck her barren. It was a big deal. He was saying, this is my priority. I am surrendered to the Lord. Therefore, I'm going to like give him my praise, my worship. And so, guys, listen, I'm not trying to impose my will on you personally, but I'm trying to impose my will on your spirit right now, right? Because I am wanting to cultivate in the men of our church a spirit of passionate engagement in worship. Say, if you're here tomorrow morning, man, just go for it in another level. Like say, God, I want to surrender my whole self. So whether that's through my body with hands raised, maybe God says, get on your knees. Maybe God says, come to the altar. Maybe God just says, raise your freaking voice up, right? Declare my goodness. Declare my greatness. Declare who I am in your life. Just do it because when you do it, guess what? You're going to be influencing others. Others, others catch that. 
right? That spirit of boldness. And the very first thing, I will, I will worship the Lord. Number two, I will live blamelessly. Woo, this is a biggie, man. So huge. In verse two, he writes and says, I will be careful to live a blameless life. You know what I love about that word blameless? It does not mean perfect. It does not mean perfect. What it means is that we, by the, by the way we live and the choices we make, we remove the ability of other people pointing their finger at us and blaming us for how we're living. It's like blameless means that like when I've messed up, if I've sinned against Beto, that I go to Beto and make it right so that there's no blame. Like he can't point at me and say, man, Pastor Tim messed up and, you know, didn't make it right. Blameless is way different than perfection. And this is our goal, is that with God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit, that I can live a blameless life. I was even reading today, uh, not going to preach it, but it's like, where, where Jesus is talking and say, hey, if you're bringing your gift to the altar, you're bringing your gift to the altar, you know, whatever it is, whatever that, maybe that means coming in to the house to, to worship the Lord like we were just talking about. And you remember that someone is at odds with you, probably because you messed up, right? And you did something and haven't made it right yet. He says, leave your gift at the altar and go make it right first, like the priority is like making it right with a human being. And it's like, wait a second, God, you're blowing my mind because I thought my first priority must be somehow to like get it right here. And he said, no, 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 no. You go make it right with that other human being then come back and we're all good. Is living not perfectly, but blamelessly. You catch that? Now he repeats this in this passage over and over and over again. This whole idea of I will live blamelessly. He says in the second part of verse two, In my house, in my house, he says, I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. It reminds me of like when Joshua stood up and proclaimed, it's like, hey, all y'all, you got to figure out who you're going to serve. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? In my house. Come on, guys, you catch this like, this is my house. And literally is talking about where you dwell. It's talking about your home, your home life, your home relationships, who you let in that door or who you say, you're not a safe individual in this. You're toxic, right? And I'm not talking about a family member, but I'm talking about the, you know, sometimes even family members. Let's be real. Um, but, you know, it's like, it's like you are the gatekeeper to your home. You, you catch that? It's like, you know, picture King David. Like he, was the, like he was in charge of who would come in those walls, who was rejected. And I love the fact that it's like he just brings his home right, right forefront to this. I will live blamelessly. I will live with integrity in my own home. You are gatekeepers. In other words, this idea of spiritual authority, it's like, no, you can literally say no to things. 
oh man, but you know what? My kids want to bring this in the house or whatever, or, you know, and, and I'm just not going to go into all kinds of examples because I'm going to let the Holy Spirit bring examples in, into your thought. There are some men in this room, you cannot bring alcohol into your home. And you know why. Right? Gatekeeper. That does not come in. This would not be healthy. This would not be safe. This would not allow me to live blamelessly before the Lord or before my family and my brothers. This stays out. And there may, and there's other things. You know, well, yeah, there's other things. This is my house. He also says, I will live blamelessly with my eyes. Verse three, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. We're not going to go deep into this. This is not a conversation tonight about pornography, although that would be worthwhile at some point for us to really kind of just get into that because it's just so present in our culture and it is so destructive and it is eating not only the 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 minds and hearts and spirits of men, but as w- of women as well, and more and more of children uh, because of the nature of the internet and how available it is everywhere. You guys, it'll kill us. It will kill our relationships with our spouses, future spouses, with the Lord, it will erode our ability to lead strong because you know what porn is? Let me just put, I'll just tell you in the words we've already been using. It is hell imposing its will on you and your sexuality and your relationships. That's what porn is doing. It's imposing its will on you because you can't stop. It's addictive just as much or sometimes even more so than drugs and alcohol. It's this, it is, it, is an, it is a sexual narcotic. And we just like keep hitting that button like more and more and more. And it just eats us from the inside out. We're not gonna take long on that right now, except to notice that that is one of the things that David said when he says, I'm gonna live blamelessly. is not just with my heart, right? It's with my eyes. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. He, then, he, then he goes, even with my mind, I'm going to live blamelessly with my mind. Because in verse four, he says, I will reject perverse ideas. So it's not just even the images, but I'm not going to let my mind go there. I am not going to let hell impose its will on my mind. I'm going to impose my will on those things that hell has for me. You, you catching it? I will, I will live blamelessly in my house, with my eyes, with my mind. Those thoughts come in and in the name of Jesus, I reject them. Now, I I remember, uh, some of you may have heard me share this before, but it's worth repeating. I remember one of my mentors growing up, one of my pastors, and he talked just very openly about how he would find himself like just kind of going through the grocery store or whatever, and there's this woman, you know, walking, walking in the aisle in front, and it's like he feels his eyes gravitating in that direction, and he would literally out loud say the word no. It was like 
He could feel his mind going in a direction that it was not. And so you know what he do? Out loud, say the word, nope. You know what? I've done that as well. Like literally, and people are like, is that guy talking to himself? Like, some of that guy. Oh, yes, I am. I'm not just talking to myself, though. I am imposing my will on hell rather than hell trying to impose his will on me. I will live blamelessly in my mind. You guys, do I, am I up here declaring that I get this right 100% of the time? Absolutely not. Thoughts come in. Destructive thoughts. Thoughts that are anti-Christ about who I am in him. Like you're worthless. You're never going to make it. Because of that sin, you will never be able to succeed. You're stupid. I'm a bad pastor. What, I mean, you just fill in the blank. You know, like whatever those thoughts are part of this whole thing is, uh-uh. I, I am not going to allow in those negative, destructive thoughts into my mind. Because if I do, it is going to ruin me. And then he to cap this whole section off about I will live blamelessly. Then he just like says, and everything else. Because in all things, verse four, I will stay away from every evil. So we haven't mentioned something there. David was kind of like, okay, I'm just gonna like say, and everything else. (laughs) Anything I haven't covered right there, right? In my house, in my eyes, in my brain, uh, in my mind, you know, in my mind, in all things, I'm gonna live blamelessly. Number three, Number three, I will. I will not tolerate fools. (laughs) I will not tolerate fools. Listen, there is this really old English kind of statement. I don't know if you've ever heard this. It would have been in like some movie or, you know, some TV show or something like that. But it it goes like this. I ain't going to suffer no fools. You ever heard that? Vernon, you're not, you've heard that before? I will not suffer fools. I almost put that as the header, but I thought people might not all understand that, so I switched it to I will not tolerate fools. Because what it means, what that means is like, I'm I'm not going to suffer fools. It means I am, uh, it 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 basically means this. This is like how I put it more in our common English. It's like, get off me, fool. Get off me. Get off me, fool. And that's what it means, like suffer no fools. So tomorrow in the in the courtyard, when, when you guys are coming into church, if I hear any of this like, I'm gonna suffer no fools. Uh, get off me, fool. It's it's like it's 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 new language for our for our guys. I, I want to hear this. Like, get off me, fool. David was saying, I am not gonna tolerate people who are pawns of the enemy who are leading to my destruction. They are out to do me harm, and I am not going to tolerate fools. Get off me, fool. Um, End of verse 3, he says this, I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. Crookedly, interesting word there. You know, because that can, that can mean a couple of different things. One is like, well, they cheat in business or, you know, they, they're, they're a cheater. They cheat. 
Maybe it's in business. Maybe it's with women. Maybe it's with men. They deal crookedly. They're saying one thing, but in their heart, there's something else. There's deception going on in their lives. And David goes, get off me, fool. (laughs) It's like, I'm tolerating you. I, I will, right? I will have nothing to do with them. Now listen, just pause for a second. When, when we read in the New Testament uh, some things that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote, he was really clear to help the church, people who are following Jesus, to understand that when it says to like not have fellowship with people who are uh, leading into sin and whose lives are all jacked up, Paul says, hey, I'm not talking about people in the world. I'm talking about people who are in the church that are claiming that their lives are together and they're not. Those are the people you need to like really, you need to hold them at arm's distance. Get off me, fool. Like, in other words, like, we cannot tolerate, listen, we cannot tolerate people coming into our lives who are saying that they're a follower of Jesus, but there's crookedness going on. There's deceit, there's deception, there's, there's sin in their life because what we're doing is two things. One is we're empowering them to think that that's okay. It's like, no, 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 you need to get things right. I will help you get things right, but if you're gonna live crookedly and deceitfully, it's like, get off me, fool. Because the other thing that will happen is that that sin will begin to just infect, right? Jesus said like a little yeast goes through the whole batch of dough, right? You let that little bit of sin like or crookedness and deceit into your home, it all of a sudden just starts to infect everything. You let it into a church, it begins to infect everything. And he's like, no, I'm going to tolerate that. I, I will have nothing to do with them. Verse 5, I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. Their Republican neighbors. Their Democrat neighbors. Right? Their alcoholic neighbors. Their gay neighbors. Their straight neighbors. Right? Their Raider fan neighbors. <laughs> the Rams uh, neighbors, Guy, guys who somehow like the Angels. I don't know. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's for my new buddy Mike over there. So, listen. Isn't that amazing? Because you know, like what Jesus said is the greatest commandment is that we would love God and love people. And he's like. I'm going to suffer no fool. You slandering your neighbor? I will not tolerate. I'm not going to tolerate people like that. Mm -mm. I will not endure conceit and pride. Because that's where that comes from. It's like when we begin to slander other people, we may not agree. Listen, we're not going to agree on everything. Um, And especially those who are not seeking to follow Jesus with their lives. Man, their their lives are going to go in all kinds of different directions. But man, when it comes to like politics and stuff, it's, it can, you know, in the, in this era in which we are living, 
we can be so prone to slander. How could that person vote that way? How could that person, you know, respect that leader? How could that person? And whenever we do that, you know what? It's conceit. It's pride that's talking. Because, listen, there are strong believers who vote all kinds of different ways. And we can have valid opinions uh, about, you know, healthy ways to the, the, the government should govern and areas where they should not govern and all that. We can have those conversations. But this is about slander. This is about, because listen, if you are speaking evil about someone else, you're judging. And when you, you cannot judge someone and love someone at the same time. You can't judge them and love them at the same time. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. Verse 7, I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house, and liars will not stay in my presence. Get off me, fool. Number four, fourth, I will. I will have faithful friends. Woo! Now, this is the opposite. You know, the other is like, I ain't going to tolerate fools, but this is, this is now the opposite. I am going to have friends around me who are faithful, faithful. Verse six, it's powerful. I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. You know, that whole serve me thing is like, okay, he was the king. We understand that, you know, he had a lot of people that were, they were cooking for him, cleaning for him, doing his dishes, wiping his booty. I don't know what they were doing, but he had a lot of people around him taking care of every little need because he was the king, right? A little different today. But when we think about how do people serve us as companions and friends, you know, it's those people that we let into our inner circle. Those people that they serve us by uh, hearing our heart, hearing our life, hearing like what's going on. Uh, you know, um, I have conversations regularly with uh, guys in our congregation who are going through different, hard, difficult, challenging seasons. Okay? Who do you go to to talk to about that? Well, I can be one of those, but we need like companions, plural. And I love the fact that when I look around on Sunday mornings, man, I see where families kind of get together and where people are meeting other people and, and building relationships. It's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this tonight, right? I could have just tried to preach this message to the whole congregation, but no, this is about men finding that companionship and strength with other guys. And I love that he says, I will search out faithful people to be in my inner circle. I'm going to search out. I'm going to like intentionally. You don't search accidentally. Your best friends, you know, your companions that you do life with, that you lead alongside, you know, you were on shared mission together. Those People generally do not come by accident in our lives. But there's this intentionality. I'm going to search out. 
I'm going to find some other people. And this is going to be, guess what? Searching is a little hard work. Finding, finding God, finding friends, right? And some people say, no, that's a fool, okay? I thought that was going to work. No, they're dealing with foolish things in their life. That they're not going to be on my inner circle. But literally searching out people who say, mm-hmm, that's somebody that I can count on and trust. Man, and my prayer is that you would find around these tables men that you could do life with, men that you could like, we can, they can help carry some of my burden. And guess what? I can carry some of their burden as well. Before we started, we talked about a number of things that are like opened up possibilities, you know, going deep sea fishing next month. Great opportunity, man, to just like search out some guys. Like, I want to like, I get to go on a boat. They can't run away from me and I can't, and I can't run away from them. Like, we're going to be out on a boat together. Um, you know, things like that. I'm going to start showing up to play pickleball on Wednesday evenings. I'm going to find Beto and, and, uh, and find out more about getting out there early on Sunday mornings and throwing the disc around. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find Gary and say, Gary, when, when are you meeting up for like just coffee and conversation, you know, during, during the week or, you know, each month where we can just sit down and build relationship, you know, because we have to do the work. I'm going to search out. I will have faithful friends. Then last and really short, number five, I will free others. I will free others. The final verse My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked, which means I'm going to search for them. I'm ferreting them out. I'm like, I'm digging deep and making sure that I'm doing the work to, to get after them. My daily task is to ferret out the wicked, but I love this, and to free the city of the Lord from their grip. You guys, this is my daily task, he says. Right, and we picture the king standing up here. Like every day, Israel, this is my this is my job. I'm gonna ferret out, I'm gonna search for you. If you're wicked in here, I'm gonna find you. I'm gonna get after that. But you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna free the city of the Lord from from a grip. I'm gonna find others that need freedom from the works of hell, is what he's saying. Listen, this is our task. This is our mission. Guys, as we lead in ways and live in ways where we're declaring like, no, I'm going to live blamelessly. I'm going to live in worship to the Lord. I'm, I, I, I will not tolerate fools in my life. I'm not going to let them in close. I will search out, you know, those faithful companions. You know what we get to do? We get to be on mission with God and with each other to free other people. God has a mission for you. God has a calling for you. And it's not just for you to be rock solid and free. It's for you to learn how to lead in such a way where you're now freeing other men who are caught up in all kinds of stuff that we've been talking about tonight. God has a mission for you. I will free others.
Five I wills that I would love for you to meditate on. Now, this is the last thought, guys. This is the last thought. I hope this is inks this whole thing into your spirit. I love the fact that this is Psalm 101. Now, listen, we can think about 101 in a couple different ways. Like, if you ever went to college or whatever, it's like, magic English 101, right? This is the basics for being a man of God, right? This is like man of God basics, man of God 101 right here, okay? But here's something else. We live on the 101. We are from Santa Maria, The 101 runs right through our city. And guys, I'm just telling you, come on, catch this. I want Psalm 101 to run through your spirit. You can't get away from the 101. You drive drive anywhere, you can just like, boom, you're running into the 101. I believe that Psalm 101 should be the same for a man of God. That we would be men of the 101, right? And guess what? Just about daily, you should have a reminder because every time you pull on to the 101, right? I will. I will. I will impose my will on life and not allow life to impose its will on me. I will worship the Lord. I will live blamelessly in my house, with my eyes, right? And just kind of go through and whichever one of those I will statements, maybe God is highlighting to you that day. Be the men of the 101. Drop the mic, walk away. Okay. Jesus, Lord, we give you our lives. We surrender to you. That is where it starts. That's verse number one. That is priority number one to worship you because we just surrender our lives to you. God, and I pray, Lord, for any of my brothers that are here tonight and they've been struggling with that or maybe they've never come to that place of just real surrender. Maybe they've been acting kind of deceitfully, kind of one foot in, one foot out. Not like just committing themselves to be surrendered to the Lord. God, I pray that Verse, they, that they just would not be even be able to get past verse one tonight. Lord, before coming to that place of just recognizing Jesus, Jesus, I need to surrender my life fully to you because I'm never going to be able to get to number two, three, four, five if I don't get number one right and surrender myself. Surrender my house, surrender my family, surrender my relationships over to the Lord.